This is episode number 32 with John Asraf, one of the leading mindset and behavior experts in the world, who's appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show. Welcome to the Neuroscience Meets SEL podcast. My name is Andrea Samadhi, a former educator who's been fascinated with understanding the science behind high performance strategies in schools, sports, and the workplace for the past 20 years. Today we have John Asraf. He has built five multi-million dollar companies, written two New York Times bestselling books, and has been featured in eight movies. And today he's the founder and CEO of Neurogym, a company dedicated to using the most advanced technologies and evidence-based brain training methods to help individuals unleash their fullest potential and maximize their personal and professional results. In 2014, when my company was awarded grant funding to run character programs in Arizona schools, I knew I needed to find someone who had a proven path for business success just to make sure I had the right systems in place. So I immediately looked up John to see what courses he was teaching, and I applied to join his Cloning for Business Success class. For those interested, you can see a similar business acceleration mastermind he's currently accepting applications for called the Escape Velocity Mastermind. I had no idea that this class would lead me to brain training. I was given a free course to try that now has been a part of my daily routine for the past six years, and that this decision would lead me to Mark Robert Waldman and eventually adding the most current neuroscience research to my programs. It all started with John, and with anyone who's met him or knows his work, you'd know that this was a pivotal point in my career, as he has such a wealth of knowledge, is an expert at helping people change their behaviors to get the results they want, and he sincerely wants to see other people succeed. To learn more about John, go to myneurogym.com and enjoy this flashback interview from 2016. We apologize for the sound quality here, but I'm sure you'll agree with me that the information is still powerful. So John, can you explain your story? What were you doing that wasn't working and what made you decide to choose a different path for your life? Are you talking about when I was younger, the kid getting myself into a whole lot of trouble? Yes. What made you decide to move past that and stop going that direction that you're going to choose? the pathway that you're on now? Well, I, I grew up with loving parents who taught me right from wrong. Uh, what they didn't teach me is how to overcome or even recognize my low self-worth and, uh, and the fact that I didn't think I was smart enough or good enough. And I don't think they ever knew that I thought that way. And you know, I, I don't know that they had the, the tools, you know, having gone, you know, themselves to grade three and grade five is where my parents finished school. And I, I, I knew that when I was getting myself into a lot of trouble, that it was the wrong thing to do. But I also didn't know that there was a better way. And it wasn't until I was 19 years old where I met a mentor, somebody who really saw uh, a, a good young kid who was just doing the wrong things that showed me that there was a different path. And he showed me that I could do something that I really loved to do instead of doing what I thought I had to do, which is, you know, when I had a job at a company that was an electronics company, it was Felix Electronics, 
and then a subsidiary, MyCom. I was sitting, you know, for eight hours a day, you know, with little three by five cards writing when when inventory came in, when inventory went out, and I was it was mindless work. And so I knew that I didn't want that, but I also didn't know that there were other options for me. So the first thing that, that he did was he, he had me dream of if I could do other things, what would it be? What would my life be like? What would I feel like? What would I you know, be doing? Where would I be going? Who would I be helping? And as soon as I started to think about that side of it, even though I didn't know how to do it, even though I didn't have the knowledge or the skills, um, he then said, well, those you can gain after you decide what it is you really would love to do. And so he gave me a little glimpse of hope. And then he backed up the hope with a plan. And every day he had me focusing on my goals. Every day he had me listening to, back then, cassette tapes. Every day he had me reading things that would fertilize my brain and my mind. And he showed me how people overcome obstacles, how people can overcome their lack of confidence or certainty or they're not good enough or smart enough or deserving enough. And he just showed me that it was possible. And in him showing me and in him guiding me and in him loving me and caring about me to take his time to show me the path I started to see that maybe I could. And then my maybe turned into I can, and my can turned into I can even a lot more. And I started to learn a process that I never learned before for self-acceptance, for self-love, for gaining more knowledge and upgrading my skill. Because I was never afraid of work. I was just doing the wrong work. I was never afraid of thinking. I was just thinking the wrong thoughts. I was never afraid of feeling my emotions. I just didn't know what to do with the ones that felt horrible. Wow, I so, wish everyone could have access to your mentor that changed yeah. your thinking. But that's the work I do today. Is that I help people with understanding, you know, many of these, you know, they're not even concepts. You know, they're, they're real-life things that we can start to help individuals understand. And so at 19, he put me on a path to learning how I could become more so I could do more and give more and have more and feel more. And it's been a, you know, a 35-year journey, 30, you know, six-year journey now. Uh, of learning and growing and um, overcoming obstacles and achieving some great successes and and savoring wonderful failures that you know were some of my best lessons. Um, but in in all of that, you know, the, the tapestry, you know, the painting of my life has been developed, and that that's what makes you know that's what makes the smiles. It's all the good, the bad, the ugly, the challenging, the amazing, the the downright. Oh my gosh, embarrassing and ashamed and guilty and and blame and all that stuff. And learning how to navigate through you know through that is really what helped me. Wow, that's a great a great story, John, and excellent lessons. What about some key strategies that really helped you? Because I know a lot of people have an idea, they set goals, and then they only know what they know. 
how did you, so, and you found your mentor, but how, how would just any regular person out there figure out what to do next? Yeah. yeah. I think there's a couple of fundamentals that are really critical. For example, I was listening to um, uh, Machuo Kiko, um, one of the um, brilliant quantum scientists uh, from, I think, New York University. He was being interviewed with a group of other people on what is genius. And he said something really profound. And he said in his university, he has many child prodigies who are geniuses in, let's say, mathematics or physics. And he says, but a genius in an area without the will to succeed, the drive to succeed, and the passion to succeed will fizzle out. And so one of the things that I learned early on was setting goals is one part of the equation. And while I'm talking to you, I'm going to get up because I just saw a signal that my battery was dying on my computer. So give me one second. Okay. So we love technology, but it needs to be plugged in. <laughs> and I will uh, just plug in my my computer and then get to a chair where you can see better. Sorry about that. That's okay. Shift in my office here. And so a couple of things that I... Um, that I realized um, that I think sports gave me the benefit of was the power of repetition. So if you were to learn the alphabet, if you were to learn how to walk, if you were to learn uh, language or you learn sports or learn a guitar or piano, there are the basics. You practice the basics, which allows you to then move to a little bit more complex you know, activity or action which allows you to go from, you know, conscious effort to unconscious competence. And so I learned the power of perfect practice when I was very, very young, because you have to practice a layup perfectly. You have to practice getting the puck in the net in hockey perfectly. You have to practice doing it right, not just doing it. So when I got into the world of business, and the world of sales and the world, I wasn't afraid to practice and to fail and to stand back up. But I also learned um, a really important lesson, and that was around being resourceful when you don't have resources. So one of my earliest lessons when I was 16 years old is I wanted to go to basketball camp. And my family didn't have money to send me to basketball camp. I lived in Montreal. Basketball camp was in New York. It was with a professional basketball player. And the camp was like, you know, $1,000. And my family couldn't afford $1,000. And so somebody said to me, well, why don't you ask if you could work at the camp? And so I called the camp and said, hey, do you need somebody to work at the camp? And said, no. I said, I really want to come to the camp. What could I do to come to the camp? And uh, I remember the gentleman's name, Alex Robinson. Now, this, I'm telling you, is 30 Nine years ago. Wow. 39 years ago. I'm sorry, let me see. 16, yeah, 39 years ago. Alex Robinson said to me, well, I'll let you come for a discounted price if you can bring four other kids with you. I said, okay. So I started to ask every kid that I knew who may want to go to camp, they want to go to basketball camp with me. And so I got four other kids and they paid, their parents paid for them. And Alex let me come to basketball camp for $500 of which I paid $250 because I had a paper route, and my father and mother came up with the other $250. So the point that I want to make 
is when you don't have resources, you have to think of being resourceful. And there are so many ways to achieve something. So if you need knowledge or information, Google it. Go to Udemy. Go to Coursera. Go to all of the places that offer free knowledge and information. Start there. If you need you know, to upgrade your knowledge and skills on sales, marketing, management, finance, health, relationships, career, business, spirituality, you don't need to spend a nickel. And you could keep busy with free stuff for the next five years. That's where I spend so, all my time on those courses. Yeah. And nobody has, nobody has the right anymore to say, you know, I can't. I know I don't know. Uh, it, it's too hard. Baloney. And, and so resourcefulness is really, really, really critical. The other part of it was to learn how to not take rejection personally. And again, I'll go back to when I was a kid. Um, I wanted um, to win the school uh, raffle contest for selling the most raffle tickets. Some kids you know, sold chocolates, but we sold raffle tickets that you know people would buy for a dollar or for five dollars for a book of ten, whatever the case is. And the first prize was a bicycle, and my family couldn't afford to buy me a bicycle. And so I was taught by the gym teacher how to ask people to buy a raffle ticket. And so where most kids went out and said, hey, do you want to buy a raffle ticket? Um, I said, hey, how would you like to help me win a bicycle while you help our school paint the murals in the school so we'd have a much more wonderful environment? Okay. He got me one line, one line. He said, don't have people want to buy a raffle ticket because they want to buy a raffle ticket, but they might help you, you know, win a bicycle. They might help the school paint the wall so that the environment's better for the kids. So in one simple sentence, I was able to sell five, ten times more raffle tickets than, than any other kid because I asked for help. And that really is the second or third part of this is why are so many of us afraid to ask for help and say, I don't know. Could you please help me? And the reason I suggest that is there are so many people with the knowledge, the skills, the contacts, the resources, the blueprint, the map that want to help others, but they don't ever get asked. Or people are just afraid because they're afraid of being rejected. And so I learned many years ago that when people reject, they don't reject you 99.9% of the time. They reject what you may have offered them. They may reject the product, the service, the request, but not you. And rejection of a product, service, or request is something that either works for them or doesn't work for them, but it also could be that you didn't ask the right way. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it's our, yours, my responsibility to learn how to do whatever it is that we need to do at the highest level possible. And in the world that we live in, in the world of whether it's sports, music, money, business, teaching, there are people that do it at the kindergarten okay level. I don't mean teaching at the kindergarten level, but being an average kindergarten teacher. There are people who do it at a very, very, very high level. And I decided many years ago I wanted to play whatever game I was playing 
uh, at a high level. And so playing at a high level is a decision that you need to make and then you need to reverse engineer. How do I need to think? What do I need to feel? What are the knowledge? What are the skills that I need to upgrade to play at that level if I have the aptitude? Wow. Wow. So anybody can be successful, John. Absolutely. Which gives us hope, which really does give everybody hope if you're watching this video that uh, John has, I've, I've known who you are for many years since the late 90s. And it's just amazing when I come across some of my notes from like eight years ago that you were working on the brain back then. So I just wonder what made you change from what you were doing back then to helping people retrain their brains? Where did that come in? I was looking for the missing link to advancing people's results. And consistently, when I used to teach people, well, I used to have business owners pay me $100,000. I would help them with a blueprint, a plan, strategies, tactics, timelines, and they wouldn't do it. You just paid $100,000 or $200,000 or $500,000, you know, whether to buy a franchise or to get, get this knowledge to get what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And you didn't do it. I was fascinated. Why aren't people taking action? And it boiled down to a couple things. Once we knew that it wasn't knowing what to do, then it came down to mental and emotional obstacles. Right. And when we broke it down even further, what constitutes you know, mental abilities? Well, your ability to focus, your ability to have um, uh, your perception. And, and so either people were focusing on the wrong thing, their attitudes were wrong, they, were, they, they framed things in a negative way all the time instead of positive. There were mental reasons why people didn't take action. And then that caused certain emotions to stir up. So people had fears of disappointment. People felt they weren't smart enough. People felt they weren't good enough. People felt they didn't deserve enough. People felt like they were afraid of success or afraid of failure or afraid of disappointment. People, there were all of these emotional obstacles of why they weren't taking action. So I said, hmm, okay, well, those are all skills you can learn. Right. Those are all skills. Everybody's brain is the same. Wow. It's all brain-based. And so could you teach somebody how to look at things differently? Absolutely. Could you teach somebody how to focus? Absolutely. Could you teach somebody to expand their awareness? Absolutely. Could you teach somebody the different fears that there are and how to navigate through them? Absolutely. Could you teach somebody the different emotions of sadness, guilt, shame, fear? Absolutely. Those are skills we're never taught in school. Right. So I said, well, great. If there's skills we can teach people, I want to teach them. And I'm going to find out the latest in neuropsychology, neuroscience, and molecular biology, and anything that we could research to find out how do we help people change the way they look at things so that the things that they look at changes, including themselves. I love it. I love it because I'm in your group and and I can see what's happening with people. So what do you see? How, how does it make you feel when you look at the work that you're doing to change people's lives? You know, I, I feel like I'm living my life's purpose. And for whatever reason, I've been fascinated with this part of myself 
Um, being a father of two boys and a husband that I'm just fascinated with behavior and perception and why people do what they do, whether it's ISIS and the level of conviction they have to have to want to kill, you know, entire societies, um, or people that jump out of, you know, uh, airplanes or people that are, you know, petrified at home when they've got three PhDs. I'm fascinated with why. And the more I learn about myself, the more I know about you, the more I learn about others, the more I know about myself. And so I've just been fascinated with, with the question of how can I help, you know, and on my, on my own goal boards, how do I help billions of people? And so I'm looking for the answers to be able to take what we discover, what I find is my passion and what my life's purpose is and take it to the world in a way that as many people who want to learn, learn and have access to it. I love it. So what's the best place if someone's watching this and they want to learn more about brain training? Is it mindneurogym.com? Is that the best place? Yeah. Mindneurogym.com is the best place. And, and we'll be releasing some really neat things in the, in the next year, two years, three years that we, we believe will help um, individuals who really want to advance their lives and, and do what I, what I call deliberate conscious evolution of themselves. I love it, John. Do you ever think that we're going to have like some of these neat equipment things in, in classrooms, virtual. Do you think that's ever going to be the starting happening? There's already um, computer brain interfaces that are being installed in people's brains right now. Mostly individuals that um, that uh, need you know help because of uh, paralysis or stroke victims or uh, um, um, Alzheimer's uh, or Parkinson's. So we already know those computer brain interfaces are happening. They, just in the last um, 30 days, they were able to transfer um, a behavior from one mouse or laboratory rat to another, and they were able to transfer information from one brain to another so that the second rat uh, had a neural pathway uh, for a certain behavior without having, had gone, without having gone through the exercises that the one rat had to do and the learning that the one rat had to do. So there is, there already is the early phases of that happening now. Uh, our brains, there's no question in my mind that in our lifetime, our brain will be connected to the internet and have information disposable at any second of any time. We won't have to have the information reside in our own brain as part of our memory system. We will be part of a collective memory system, but also I believe that just like in the Matrix, we were able to you know, see the character Neo download a program for Jiu-Jitsu or Kung Fu and go, whoa, I know Kung Fu. Um, it's a neural pathway. We would figure out how to create a neural pathway no differently than what we're creating, or we know how uh, now they've already started doing research and, and uh, studying on how to take a memory that somebody has and how to erase the memory. It's a neural pattern. So if you can erase the memory, you can insert a memory as well. So we're, 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 we're in that era right now. Fascinating, John. Fascinating. Thank you very so much for this, uh, this, yeah. this chat with you. This is so helpful. And, and I look forward to continuing my studies with you. And, Thank you. and yeah. uh, thanks for all you're doing for the world. It's my joy. Thanks for being such a great student, being such a great advocate to change the lives of so many people as well with me. Thanks, John. You're welcome. 
If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 